Shalom, and welcome to Kehilat Rosh Pina, a dynamic, multicultural, and growing Messianic Jewish congregation located in the heart of Oklahoma City and led by Rabbi Michael Weigand. Our goal is to bring you the message of the Word each week from a Jewish perspective and to exalt Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior overall. We are a loving congregation made up of both Jew and Gentile, now one in the Messiah, with Shabbat morning services at 10.40 a.m. and various studies throughout the week. Please come and join us next time you are in Oklahoma City. We would love to have you. And now, we hope you enjoy today's message. My topic today, if I, uh, I usually don't ascribe a title to a message, and this is really not uh, an exception, but if I was trying to title this message, it would have something to do with mountaintop and what I would call nitty-gritty, nitty-gritty. And I know as soon as I said the words nitty-gritty, there's a certain group of people here that lived back in the 60s that had the nitty-gritty dirt band come to mind. (laughs) Had a song that went right down to the real nitty-gritty come to mind and put all that aside because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about mountaintop and nitty-gritty today. Jonathan referenced the parashayot, the portions, the Torah portions. And if you notice carefully, from last week's Torah portion, and then flowing into this week's Torah portion, which is called Mishpatim, you notice what seems so obvious in the text in Exodus chapter 20, that literally it does go, it does go, oh, excuse me. Let me turn that off. Literally, the text does go from the mountaintop right down to the earth. In some ways, it's indicative of what can happen in our own lives. We can be having the best of time in life, and the next thing you know, it seems like we're blindsided by something. We have many different ways that we reference. I'm using the term nitty-gritty really just to catch your attention, hopefully. Many different ways to, to speak about the mountaintop, but also about that down-to-earth thing, like the term down-to-earth. And when we speak about our own lives, there's the word daily, there's the word real, there's the, the word every day, yom yom. These descriptive terms such as down-to-earth, real, daily, and every day can be easily applied to your life and mine. You have that type of situation. You have a daily life. And just take a moment to reflect upon your daily life. What is your daily life like? Are you an early riser? I'm not asking for a show of hands. <laughs> this is not confessional time or anything like that. Are you a sleep into noon type person? Are you a, a night owl? How many of you know what I mean when I say night owl? <laughs> Uh, Are you uh, the early bird gets the worm type of person? Uh, All that is mixed into different lives and including into our own congregation, people there. Uh, I love this concept because 
it tells us that those who, the Lord says, I have commanded on your walls of Jerusalem, those who will not cease praying, and then it says day or night. So night owls, be thankful for the early birds. Early birds, be thankful for the night owls because there's a place in the kingdom for both. How many of you know that? There's a place in the kingdom for both. There is. But our daily life is to say the least, if we're to describe it, uh, it's real. You have real issues in your life, probably. And when you're out in the world, uh, shopping, working, going to school, studying, all that you do, you meet real people. Some of them are, uh, how can I say this without being too facetious? Some of them are very real people. But most of all, I hope and pray that each of us has a genuine and a real walk with our Messiah. That you know him on a daily basis, that he's not just an appendage that you add into your life every Shabbat or every Sunday. But he's a real part of your daily life. Because truth be told, that's exactly who he's meant to be, the Lord 24-7. That's who he is. Now, sure, we can have mountaintop experiences and we can go to mountaintop places in our walk with the Lord and have events that seem like mountaintop for us, such as a wedding, those type of things. And they grab our attention, and rightfully they should. Those are mountaintop type things. Those are experiences that really capture us, get our attention grasp us, impact us. And again, referencing the parasha, last week's parasha, Moshe ascends to Har Sinai, to Mount Horeb, and receives the Aserta Dibrot, the Ten Commandments, and other commandments are given to him. He's mountaintop, but then as our Torah portion points out, by the time we get through the next Torah portion or two, he's up on the mountaintop, but then he has to come down to the people that were down. They weren't on the mountaintop with him. And our lives can be nitty-gritty kind of lives with daily endeavors Things that we do daily. Blessings that we experience daily, but also challenges that we experience daily. At this point in the parasha, in the portion we look at it chronologically, the children of Israel are just a couple of months into the whole wilderness journey. And we know because we, we've read the end of that story, the narrative, we know that there will be a 40-year journey and they're just in the first couple of months. Life's going to get very daily for them. It's going to get to the nitty-gritty for them. It's not always going to be Mount Sinai for them and it's not always Mount Sinai for you or me in life. In fact, a good part of our life is what I would call the nitty-gritty of life. Here's the amazing words that we read in Exodus chapter 20 at the end of last week's parasha. Beginning with verse 18, it says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. 
Then they said to Moshe, and we certainly can understand why they said this. Then they said to Moshe, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. Now this passage from last week is followed shortly thereafter in the same parasha, last week's parasha in Shemot, Exodus chapter 20, verse 24, and it says, Mizbeach Adamah, an altar of earth, dirt, you shall make for me. There within this short space of text, we go from the very top of the mountain to the Mizbeach Adamah, an altar of dirt. An altar of dirt you shall make for me and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen in every place where I record my name. I will come to you and I will bless you. We go from the Har, the mountain, to the Adama, the Mizbeach Adama, all in the space of a short period of time. And let's think about our own lives. Have you had that happen in your life where you just felt like everything was just going great, then suddenly, you know, the, 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 the chair got kicked out from underneath you? And it can happen quickly, unexpectedly. Or it just seems like the rug was pulled out from under your feet. You feel like thing was going just, everything was going just right. And then suddenly. To view this another way. God is God from the mountaintop all the way down to the valley. He's the Lord. He was Lord when Moses was on the mountaintop and he's the Lord when they're building the Mizbeach Adamah, the altar of dirt, of ground. He's the Lord actually above all kingdoms of the earth. He's the Lord above all people, groups of the earth. He's the Lord, hear me please, above every event that happens in your life, every circumstance you face. Whether you're an early bird or a night owl, he's the Lord over that. Because he that keepeth Israel, what? Neither slumbers nor sleeps. He's fully aware. Now, he's the Lord over our greatest spiritual experiences and our greatest spiritual challenges. You know why? He changes not. He's Emmanuel, the God who is with us, with his people. Now, that does not mean that he approves of everything that happens with early birds and late owls, night owls. Doesn't mean he, he's the Lord, but doesn't mean he approves of everything we say and do. In fact, a real call upon our lives as Messianic believers is to seek to please him in all that we do. How many of you have that as a goal in your life? You want to please the Lord. 
And the, 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 the working out of that is in that nitty-gritty level. Yes, there'll be mountaintops experience, but let's face it. Reality is reality. You're really going to find out about it. Right down to the real nitty-gritty. That's where you'll find out about it. He doesn't approve of every word, every thought, everything we do, but he's still the Lord. And I'm thankful, and I confess before you today, that I am thankful that he's able to work with us like clay. I'm thankful he's able to mold us. I'm thankful that he doesn't put age as a requirement. I'm thankful he doesn't put a full head of hair as a requirement. I'm thankful he doesn't put six foot eight as a requirement. I'm thankful that he's the Lord of all people groups. He's the Lord of all nations. And he desires to truly be the king of every heart of every human being. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Now, when he reveals himself to us, and I don't know what your testimony might be, but when he reveals himself to us, if I can use one word to describe what happens, I would call it impact. Impact. When the Lord reveals himself to a person, there's impact. The Bible teaches this, by the way. Virtually every circumstance. When someone encounters the living God, they're not the same. They're changed. Something happens. Read Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord. And then Isaiah says, woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Moshe going up to the mountaintop, when he comes down, how did he appear? They could barely look at him. Karnei Hashemis, the, the rays were going forth from him. Like Karnei Hashemis, like the sun rays. The glory that was on him, he had to cover his face. And 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, states this idea in this way. It says, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Spiritually speaking, we need little help defining what a mountaintop experience is, spiritually speaking. But a true mountaintop experience, spiritually speaking, will impact us for the good of the kingdom of Messiah. And we know it when it happens. How many of you can honestly say you've had a point in your life where you had an encounter with the living God? And you know it. People could tell you otherwise, but you know, hey, the Lord touched me. I had an encounter with the living God. And my testimony is probably like yours. I've never been the same since. Hallelujah. Hallelujah for that. And I pray that's all your testimonies. That you've had an encounter. And by the way, that you can continually have an encounter with the Lord as you daily seek him. Because we know it when it it happens. We know what a mountaintop experience. We, We know it. I've mentioned this story before. It's been a long time, but. When I was in Bible college, my roommate, who was from Minnesota, and I, we decided we would get on our faces and pray. 
in our room. <laughs> so we proceeded to do so. We had no idea what would happen thereafter. We got on our face in that cold winter room in our uh, room in our Bible school and we began crying out to the Lord and you know what happened? We couldn't get up. In fact, we couldn't speak except one word. Kadosh. Holy, holy, holy. And not only did that happen to me, but that happened to my roommate. We couldn't speak and we couldn't get off the ground, our faces towards the Lord. And it was just holy, holy, holy. Does that remind you of something you read in the book of Revelation, by the way? And we couldn't get up. We, I don't know how long it was. It wasn't contrived, I know that. We were just going to pray. I mean, just going to pray. And to this day, when we communicate, you know we communicate not about our wife and children, etc. But we kind of look each other in the eye and we say, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time? Oh, I, know, I know what Jim's talking about. He knows what I'm talking about. That time when the presence of God was so strong we couldn't lift our head off of the rug. And we couldn't speak. That's recorded several times. Look at Matthew chapter 17. Now after six days, verse 1, Yeshua took Kepha, Yaakov, and Yochanan, Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mount by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moshe and Eliyahu, Moses and Elijah, appeared to them, talking with him. Then Kepha, Peter, answered and said to Yeshua, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while Kepha, Peter, was still speaking, he hadn't even finished yet. Have you ever had a divine interruption in your life, in your speech? Have you ever been about to say something and you felt like the Holy Spirit grabbed you and said, don't say that? Some of you are shaking your heads. You know what I'm talking about. While Kepha was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And here's a command given to them. Peter, James, and John on the mountaintop. What was the command? Hear him. By the way, what do your ears listen to? Do you hear the Messiah? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the Talmudim heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Not just afraid, greatly afraid. But when Yeshua came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid, when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Yeshua only. 
The emphasis, if you notice it linguistically, is no one but Yeshua only. The sentence could have stopped with no one but Yeshua. But it emphasizes no one but Yeshua, and then it says only. Now, true mountaintop experiences spiritually should not make us, you know, more caught up in Moshe. Or more caught up in Eliyahu, Moshe being symbolic of Torah observance, Eliyahu being symbolic of prophetic things. A true mountaintop spiritual experience will make us be caught up with one and one only. And his name is Yeshua the Messiah. That doesn't denigrate the other two, but we're to hear him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We're to heed him, we're to hear him, we're to listen to him, we're to revere him. We are a Messianic Jewish congregation. The first word is Messianic, a Torah positive Messianic Jewish congregation, but central, hopefully, to each of our daily lives is a personal relationship with our Messiah. So if we can draw a beat on what a mountaintop experience is, What then is the nitty-gritty thing that I've been talking about? What is that all about? And even why is that important? Well, if you look in the the American Heritage Dictionary, it does have a definition for the word nitty-gritty. That little two words, that expression, nitty-gritty, it lists three different things. Number one, the nitty-gritty, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, is the specific or practical details. Number two, nitty-gritty means the essence or core of something. And number three, nitty-gritty, according to American Heritage Dictionary, means the most vital part of an idea or experience. There are actually relatively few mountaintop experiences listed in Scripture, but there's a whole lot of nitty-gritty stuff. You know, texts that you've read in Scripture, whether it's the Brit Chadashah, the New Covenant, or the Tanakh, texts that you've read where people are doing stuff like this, walking, talking, (laughs) swimming. The apostles seem to know how to swim. (laughs) Fighting, fishing, Cooking, eating, working, praying, sleeping, and stuff like that. It's, it's in the nitty-gritty of life that we have abundant opportunity. Hear me, please. It's in the nitty-gritty of life that we have an abundant opportunity to show forth the reality of the Messiah to those around us. It's curious, and it has been for biblical historians for centuries. It's so curious And think about if you were doing the writing, how you would approach this. It's so curious that there's no physical description of Yeshua. Very little said about what he looked like. For example, there's no mention of his weight, his height, his hair color, or how much hair he had, how long it was, his eye color, There's no mention of his favorite foods, although he does cook a breakfast that includes fish. And he certainly ate Passover and the other feast foods. 
But none of that, the, the writers, the, the four gospels, the Rav Shaul and others who wrote the, the Igerot, the epistles, they don't mention anything like that, what, how tall he was or what color were his eyes or his hair color. But that doesn't mean they didn't notice him in the nitty-gritty of life. For First Yohanan, First John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. No, they may not have listed what color hair he had or what color his eyes were. But they noticed him. And in this case, they said the handle, they touched him, they were right alongside him. And Yohanan, John placed his head on Yeshua's chest at the Passover Seder. How many would agree that's close contact? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested. And he repeats this again. Notice it's a double emphasis in the very beginning of First Yohanan. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested, made known to us. The call in the Lord that we have to show forth Yeshua and the nitty-gritty of our lives is expressed continuously, not only in our daily lives, but referenced in the new covenant. For example, if we were to consider what it means to, what does it mean to walk in the spirit, one scripture that might come up is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. You talk about a challenging scripture, here is one. Let all that you do be done with love. Let me ask you, how many of you consider that to be a challenging thing in the nitty-gritty of life? When you're at the workplace in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, it, by the way, it's a command, it's not a suggestion. Says, let all that you do be done with love. I find that challenging. Sure, the mountaintop experience one thing, but the nitty gritty of life, let all that you do be done with love. And First Peter chapter four verse eight adds more into this concept. It says, above all things, notice the phraseology. Above all things, have what? Fervent love for one another. So, in one hand, we're told, we're told, let all that you do be done with love. And then we're also told, above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Does the love of God cover your sins today? Yes, because of what we see on the tree, Yeshua's execution in our behalf, and his resurrection. Continues in 1 Peter chapter 4, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Notice it says, be hospitable to one another, and then there's this little rejoinder, without grumbling. 
as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles God. If anyone ministers, serves, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Messiah Yeshua. And will you please repeat the last statement with me? To whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. In the nitty-gritty of life, we encounter real people. Nitty-gritty people. I don't know how else to describe them. We encounter real people like us who at times they're struggling too and you may be struggling at the very same time. At times, the nitty-gritty people you meet in your nitty-gritty life, they may feel overwhelmed even as you may be feeling overwhelmed. Or, let's play fair here, they may be rejoicing. (laughs) You may encounter people who are happy and content, but you know there are some others that tend to be unhappy and discontent. You have those that you meet in the nitty-gritty of life that they, they don't speak badly about other people, but you have others that are, are masters at Lashon Hara, speaking evil of others. You have some that are generous givers, but then there are the others they are very stingy and they're takers. And you have those that are encouragers, and you have those in the nitty-gritty of your life that are discouragers. And if we want to really parse this, you have those in your life that you know they're believers, and you have others in your life that you're quite sure they're not believers, for by their fruit you shall know them. In this nitty-gritty of life that I'm speaking of, you may encounter people you actually love and enjoy. And don't you wish all of life was like that? And people you admire, people you want to spend time with, people you want to be around. You may encounter all this, but on the other hand, you may also encounter people that you don't particularly enjoy. You don't particularly look up to them, admire them, and by the way, you may want to and hope to be able to avoid them. And let's be honest about it. That happens to us in many different circumstances. At the workplace, perhaps you have a coworker, you want to be as far away as possible. You may have another coworker you want to be right alongside shoulder to the shoulder with. That's real life. That's what I'm calling the nitty-gritty today. That can, that can parse down all the way to the family circumstance. But regardless of how you may feel about the others around you, regardless of how you may assess them, no matter, no matter how they may be, there's something we must never forget. Here it is. Yeshua laid down his life for that person. Don't forget it, please. Even if you don't like being around them, I've found over the years that sometimes some of the most I'm going to use the term prickly people that I've met. They were just this far from the kingdom because life's circumstance had hollowed them out. 
Some of the people in the most desperate circle, they were this far from the kingdom. And who's to say whether you might be the person that grabs them by the hand and leads them across the finish line of the kingdom. Faith in Yeshua the Messiah. Usually I like to conclude with a list, but I'm not going to do that today. I just have one point for you. And we'll conclude. It's one key point that I would just ask you to consider this key point. Here's the key point that I'd like to leave with you. Your reality, the mountains and the valleys, the nitty-gritty of your life, and please hear this, your reality is your personal proving ground in the Lord. That's the proving ground for you. Your reality. Not the ethereal, not your imagination, your reality, that's your proving ground. That's our proving ground. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's the nitty-gritty. That's the down-to-earth stuff. And my premise, as I began my remarks today, was that the Lord is the Lord of the mountaintop, and he is the Lord of the valley, too. The proving ground. Now, between every mountaintop experiences, experience, you will always find a valley. There's a decline and there's an incline to be traversed to get to the next mountaintop. Check it out. The path may be crooked, it may be straight, but it's there. There'll be ups and downs that you must traverse. Curiously, it's often in the context of valleys and mountains that the Lord speaks of revealing his glory. Let me give you an example from Yeshayahu, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. Actually, let's start with verse 4. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. Terminology here, valley, mountain, hill. The next statement, the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. Valleys, mountains, hills, crooked, rough, straight, and smooth. And what's the next statement? kavod Adonai. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. Kipi Adonai Diber, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Will you please pray with me as we conclude? With this scripture in mind, please bow your heads for a moment. We'll conclude and we'll dismiss. But I'd like you to hear this scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 that talks about how we are to be in the nitty gritty of life it says be diligent to prevent present yourself approved to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth be diligent study to present yourself approved to God. Lord,
thank you for your lordship over all things. We pray that you would increasingly establish your kingdom through us, in us, by us, according to your will. Lord, I pray that you would show yourself mighty for those that are facing difficult circumstances right now in their lives. The nitty-gritty of their lives is difficult. Lord, I pray that you will show yourself mighty. That the glory of the Lord would be revealed. I pray for that person here who even this morning felt completely overwhelmed and wondered about the future or even if she had a future. I pray for that person here today, Lord, that felt that you were so distant and just wondered if it was even worth the effort. Lord, thank you that you're faithful to those that seek you. Those that seek you diligently shall find you. Those who knock on the door, the door shall be opened. Lord, I pray as we depart here this morning and go over for, to the Havara room for Oneg, that you'll be with us in our fellowship, that we'll speak what's right in your sight, that we will show ourselves to be approved of you in the nitty-gritty things of life, such as eating, fellowshipping. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for each person here. And thank you for your blessings. In Yeshua's name, amen. You've been listening to the Shabbat message from Rosh Pinah Messianic Jewish Congregation in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. We would love to have you visit us. Our weekly services begin at 1040 a.m. each Shabbat. And we are located at 2600 Northwest 55th Place, north of Northwest Expressway at the corner of Northland Avenue and Northwest 55th Place. We meet each Shabbat for wonderful praise and worship with dance, liturgy, teaching, food, fellowship, excellent children's programs, and Bible studies on Tuesday nights. For more information, please visit our website, www.roshpinah.org. That's R-O-S-H-P-I-N-A-H dot O-R-G. You can also reach us by phone at 405-842-1967 or email us at info at roshpinah.org. Thank you for spending time in the Word with us today. Shabbat Shalom and blessings in Messiah Yeshua.